0: Hi, I'm Mario Evan, and you're listening to Talk Truth, a weekly inspired-edutainment podcast discussing the things that most people are afraid to, but from a Jamaican perspective. From relationships, sex and sexuality, to the ins and outs of entrepreneurship, in this space we speak about almost anything, with the intention to inspire, educate, entertain, and create a fair and balanced space where your truth shall become your power and set you free. Wagwan family, it's episode three and today we discuss a topic that I've been born into. Boy, I'm still living it and I'm sure I'm going to leave it behind. But today I have with me sports psychology consultant and friend, Khadija Richards and she's here to discuss the sensitive topic of colorism in Jamaica. But before we kick off our episode, you know, we always like to give you some reviews from iTunes, and we got two five-star reviews. One is from Rory876, and his title was very informative and thorough. Looking forward to more. Love the way how the conversation gelled well between Mario and his father. The father, of course, demonstrated his wealth of knowledge on the subject matter, and pleased that you could have shared the same. Please give us more. Big up me. (laughs) M.E. And our second review that we got, which was also five stars, came from Dukey 4 And her title was Crucial Conversations That Are Actually Hilarious. Don't know what I was expecting, but Mario made learning about gynecology hilarious and fun. Keep dropping these gems. And she has three diamond emojis. Thank you, Rory876. And thank you, Dukey 4 Thanks for listening. It was 50 minutes of job. Last week with my dad, and we appreciate your reviews. Keep them coming. Welcome to another episode of Talk Truth. And guess what? I have a friend here who is quite qualified in many things, but um I thought she would be well suited for a conversation that never dies, especially in Jamaica, and that is one about colorism. So I welcome to Talk Truth, my friend Khadijah Richards. And I'm gonna allow her to introduce herself. What do you do?
1: All right. Thanks for having me, Mario. Um, By profession, I'm a sports psychology consultant. And for some strange reason, I'm back in school again, doing a master's in the ethical and integrity issues in sports governance. So what I mean, (laughs) (laughs) you know, that looks at things like discrimination, anti-doping you know, just general issues. I mean, you think of something like the Caster Semenya issue that's going on right now right. in sports. Those are the kind of things we look at and how we can make policies more fair for the people involved, all the people involved, all the actors involved.
0: Interesting. And and tell me a little bit about your first degree. So the sports psychology, and I mean, you kind of have to have a underbelly of psychology to do sports psychology, right? That's, I would imagine.
1: That's correct. So I did my first degree in psychology and then I did a master's in sports behavior and performance which is a sports psychology and with that I've been working with athletes in Jamaica I traveled with the Olympic team to the 2008 Beijing Olympics which you all know we did very well in so yeah I I worked with the athletes on that team and other individual athletes in several different sports in in Jamaica
0: and you know after to publicly podcast thank you for all of your work As sometimes people don't really thank because mm, they don't even know our fellow jamaicans who are doing whatever they're doing right um and i think w- the psychology background does also make you kind of well suited to speak about colorism but that aside i'm going to ask you to do something interesting okay i want you to box yourself in so mm-hmm. i want you to tell me what you think you are in terms of color. And we're doing this for an experiment. I'm going to do the same thing for myself. What you think you are and what you think people perceive you to be. Uh, Maybe, I don't know if I should start. Up to you. All right, so complexion-wise, in Jamaican parlance, I would be a brown man. So I would be brown. And I guess this is tricky because now everybody in the US uses black and brown people. Um, But in Jamaica, we look more, again, at the shade, I guess, of the complexion versus a minority group, per se. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't even know how to describe brown. It's so tricky colorism is. But, uh, all right, I'm a brown man in my head. But it's also because I get called brown man and red man on the road.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And then we'll get into what browning connotes in Jamaica. But what do you see yourself as?
1: Well, I definitely consider myself a black woman. Right. Despite the past year and a half in Europe... Drastically changing my complexion to much much lighter than what I'm used to. Right. I would still consider myself to be a dark skinned black woman.
0: All right, fine. So I am a brown black man. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. This is interesting because um, also there are so many different shades. I guess of the the rainbow that mm-hmm. we kind of we kind of look at, and in terms of a definition of colorism, what would you how would you define it?
1: All right. I suppose, you know, people might ask what on earth does a sports psychologist have to do talking about colorism? But for my master's program that I'm in now, my thesis that I'm looking at is on the effects of colorism on sports selection. So I've done a little bit of background on it. And for my paper, we operationalize as in use a definition of colorism that suggests that it is a form of discrimination that exists within And between racial groups. That means that based on your skin tone or skin color, how light or dark you are, you may get preferential or negative treatment. Not only within your own racial group, but between racial groups.
0: But once you go between racial groups now, is that non-racism?
1: Not necessarily, because people of different skin tones or skin colors experience racism differently. Okay. So... For example, lighter-skinned people who may be considered closer to the standard that white people are used to, they would be less threatening, less bothersome, less offensive, if you will, and be treated differently than someone who is very dark with kinky hair and a broad nose and all those other afro features
0: right all right i'm going to pull a definition i stole from off the internet which Mm -hmm. is colorism is prejudice or discrimination against individuals with a dark skin tone typically among people of the same ethnic or racial group so it kind of points towards just discrimination against the darker tone is it always that direction though from the lighter to the darker tone
1: in my experience anytime you have a ism Mm -hmm. at the end of Mm -hmm. something it's tends to be one-directional because there's a dominant group and they use that dominance to exert some kind of oppressive force on the non-dominant group. So in this case, when it comes to colorism, as an ism, the lighter skin color would be the dominant group.
0: All right, I feel you. All right, so that would lead me into now clearly defining racism. So what would be your definition of racism? Just for a differentiator.
1: Um, Racism is, again... More, in uh, my opinion, and what I've, I've read and observed on the topic, is more of an institutional, institutionalized or structural form of discrimination and oppression mm-hmm. against a specific racial group. And like I said, the difference between racism and colorism is how that system operates on dif- people of different skin tones within the same racial group
0: right right right
1: all right all right if that makes sense no it makes (laughs) sense
0: it makes sense and um i guess really where i want to go now is in terms of our viewers who our listeners i should say who are not from the caribbean context Mm -hmm. i want us to kind of touch a little bit on the history of of where some of this is coming from and i mean without any deep research i understand slavery of course has a big part to do with it Mm -hmm. um what's your take on on the slavery impact
1: all right so historically with slavery we know that there was a lot of mostly non-consensual sexual contact between (laughs) (laughs) between slave owners and the female slaves the black female slaves and that resulted in a lot of mixed-race offspring right those biracial offspring of course tend to be a little lighter and Light complexion mm-hmm. and those lighter skinned slaves were given preferential treatment over the darker skinned ones and we know that from the house slave, right, slave the people field slave, right. that we've heard of and it wasn't just in terms of treatment by the slave masters; it was treatment in the general society in that they would get they would be granted their freedom before the darker-skinned slaves, they'd have access to education before the darker skin slaves, and but as a result of that were able to elevate their status quicker, and I guess just to a better place than the darker-skinned slaves were over a period of time. So slavery produced the different skin shades that we've Come accustomed to seeing and it promoted the separation of of the groups and stratification of the
0: right because then um they kind of became culture the privilege kind of became culture mm-hmm. that the lighter skin person would be more privileged well as we talk about slavery i love to touch on the jamaican stuff so mm-hmm. let us just do like a quick power on all the things that we've heard growing up about different colors i mean i mean people say things like black like tar mm-hmm. Um, a common one that we do a lot in Jamaica is comparing hair types. Mm-hmm. Pretty hair. Good hair. Good hair. And good hair is always straighter curlier. or curlier. Softer. Yeah,
1: softer,
0: um, nappy. That is also used in the US. Kaya. Kinky. Kinky.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Any any others you can of think of off the top of your head?
1: I mean it's it I don't think it's uncommon for people to associate whether knowingly or unknowingly negative expressions with dark-skinned people or their features as opposed to lighter-skinned people. I mean, it's not always malicious, but it's sometimes we just, you know, we've learned it and we repeat it and it's a part of what we know as our culture in Jamaica. So, you know, you have things where people say, you know, nothing black, no good, and, you know...
0: It's a common one, yeah
1: black and ugly and things like that you don't ever hear people say oh she brown and ugly it's it's what not I, a I thing what i
0: often hate to hear is what a pretty dark skin girl you yeah,
1: are pretty for a black girl or
0: pretty for a black girl yeah. and I, I, it fascinates me because then it, it really is clearly stating that black is not pretty in and the you mind you had to qualify qualify the
1: person's attractiveness despite the darkness of their skin tone
0: i want to take this in a more of our personal space um growing up would you feel like your personal experience and truth? And this is maybe personal, but in terms of growing up at home, Mm -hmm. you felt like that was something that you're exposed to in your family space.
1: You know, I think I was fortunate in a way in that my father is a very (laughs) pro-black man. (laughs) We know this. Right? And he (laughs) values and appreciates blackness, natural hair, you know, the shape of black women, the darkness of your skin. I mean, when I used to travel and come back lighter, he would literally sit me out in the sun waiting for me to get back my proper dark complexion. So So I grew up with an appreciation for these things, which probably was a good buffer for me dealing with the possible threats to that that existed in the society.
0: But I think that also probably made you not think of your blackness as a negative thing
1: definitely it was it was protective for me that i learned to appreciate i mean for most of my life i've had natural hair i've opted to have or to wear my hair in its natural state and it's not because of any kind of rebellion or laziness per se it's just that it's what i grew to love as a result of what i was taught in my household
0: right and you you knew it was beautiful because that's what you were taught Um, Interestingly enough, both of us, me and Khadija, that is, we went to school in the US, so we actually had the experience of going to the US, and I'm going to speak about my experience growing up first, and for me, it's the same thing, I didn't necessarily have a pro-black household, but I didn't have a household that placed any emphasis on on complexion, Mm -hmm. and ironically, in my nuclear family, I'm the lightest of the four, Which is kind of funny so but in my entire family there are only a few people who are light-skinned and there's just a spectrum of complexions but it was just never something that was tossed in our face and um regarding the u.s i got into a lot of arguments with people in college because they didn't appreciate the caribbean perspective when you live on an island where maybe more than 90 percent of the people are black So you don't really grow up in a space seeing black people as less than. You have Mm -hmm. black leaders, you have black teachers, you have a lot of people in power who are of color. So when you go into that space, you have to totally readjust. So when I was first exposed to racism, I was shocked. Because I just wasn't sure what I was experiencing. I was experiencing it and I felt like something was wrong, but it took me a while to start to pinpoint that this is actually racism.
1: Yeah, I mean, the American experience is very different from ours they've gone through something similar but at the same time very different from what we have and their journey is a little different
0: (laughs) From from, from
1: what we know so their perspective is again different from ours so when you when you bring those two things together it often creates a little bit of attention in terms of people's perspectives on the issue of Mm colour. But I've learned a lot from the discourse that I've had with people in the US. Myself. And it makes me appreciate a lot about Jamaica. (laughs) At the same time, it allowed me to recognise some of the things that were happening here that perhaps were ignored or swept under the rug because, you know, like you said, a lot of people don't necessarily see colour because we're all supposedly the same race,
0: right? And right, and that's not totally true, as and we know. It is not. And Jamaica's motto is out of many, one people, and that's a whole nother and thing. That's a whole another thing. As <laughs> we are, we are made up of, of Chinese Jamaicans, Indian Jamaicans. There's so many people and other communities that have come in. We have a lot of Burmese here and or mm-hmm. Japanese. And the mixing continues. It does continue. And um, I think we have been quite accepting of other cultures, but that's a whole nother podcast. But, um, and another podcast I really want to touch on to is the experience of the white Jamaican and the lighter skin Jamaican. Cause I feel it's something that no one talks about. And I think because there's a perception of privilege, mm-hmm that nobody talks about the fact that they are almost very much discriminated against too because no one thinks you're Jamaican because you don't fit that typical look of what, you know, what has been stereotypically Jamaican. Mm -hmm. So you find that that person will always be asked, you come from Jamaica? Or where you come from? Or, you know, what your parents look like? Or why you talk like that if you speak well? And that's a whole other world as well. But that's not, is that colorism? Because uh, that's. Is that some other direction? I, or is that sure. pregi- pregi- uh, some type I of prejudice? I think that's
1: a form of prejudice. And I feel like prejudice is more of a personal issue as opposed to a. You know, it's not oppressive in nature. Right. People might say things that make you uncomfortable, but it's not going to stop you from getting a job. It's not going to stop you from getting a loan. It's not going to stop you from finding a mate or a partner. So while you might hear the things, you know, "Oh you're, you're light-skinned, maybe there's people think you're soft, especially like they say light-skinned men in you know, art are soft," or right. something like that." None of those things, while they are negative and unpleasant to hear. are blocking. You. Are blocking your potential or your opportunity to access things in society that you should be entitled to.
0: Let's get a little bit into that. Um, And again, some other things we're going to say today may be anecdotal. I mean, there may be studies here and there and some, and there may not be. Mm -hmm. But um, in our experience, or in your experience, what would you say happens to the darker skinned person, traditionally we can say, that we've heard or experienced? I
1: mean, traditionally in Jamaica, there was a time where darker skinned women, and I speak Primarily from the perspective of women, because that's what I've been looking into for my research. Right. Where women couldn't get certain types of jobs because yeah. of their complexion. So, bank tellers, flight attendants. Yes. Positions, you know, maybe they're not the most popular positions now, but there was a time when people aspired to have those positions and they. They were unable to get them because of their skin color. And
0: is the tie anything because those jobs were probably tied to some kind of perception of beauty and of, you know, an upfront client related direct job where you have to interact with people and maybe this wasn't the aesthetic.
1: For women, a lot of our social capital is generated from our physical appearance Mm -hmm. and how attractive we are perceived to be or how non-threatening we are received perceived to be so in a position where you're you know upfront interacting with people if you're a bank teller you know unfortunately negative things such as you know not being trustworthy or you know being dishonest are associated with darker skin tones while the opposite is not for lighter skin tones. so if you're dealing with people's money and you're going to a bank, and somebody who you don't believe is going to be trustworthy is there, perhaps that's not the best person they're going to feel for the job so
0: and these are and these are not um absolute state things that we're saying, but things that we know have occurred
1: and that's the thing you know it's not it's not a policy necessarily right it's a convention, it's just something that we know happens, it might not be. Or I don't know, if maybe it was at some point in time, it might not be written in the policy that, you know, do not hire a dark-skinned woman, but it just wasn't happening.
0: Here's the tricky thing about anecdotes now. How can we be sure that it's true? And how can we be certain that it's not all in our head? I'm just playing devil's advocate. I get you. You know?
1: Well, while it is anecdotal, if I feel like if enough people express a similar experience and a similar perception From, you know, based on what has happened to them or what they have seen happen to other people, at some point in time, you must recognize that a pattern exists Mm -hmm. and there is something to it. And I think it's something we would benefit from looking into more to understanding more, which is part of why I'm doing the research that I'm doing.
0: Exactly. All right. Well, um, do you think we've come a long way? Where are we now? Have we we made five steps, ten steps forward and five steps back? You know, because sometimes I feel like we've advanced in all areas of discrimination, colorism and other other things. But then a lot of things happen that make you wonder if we've even moved.
1: I think on paper we've advanced. I don't think there has been a great enough perception shift for it to be, I would say, a meaningful movement forward there are things that are happening that show that people are more more invested in inequality so you will see you know we mentioned on social media people are promoting Dark skinned girls as being more beautiful, there's a whole natural hair movement now, exactly. but even within the natural hair movement, there's, there's discrimination. discrimination. Exactly, so, exactly. You know, it seems like a step forward. you think even but having
0: a curl type is that discriminatory? <laughs> Some curl, people curl, believe so. Curl type A, curl you know, type B, B1, uh, B5. 1A
1: versus a
0: 4C. <laughs> or is that just description? Yeah. Nobody I mean, really a, knows. Yeah,
1: but it's there definitely still always features and factors that people take into consideration when they choose to discriminate against people. And skin color and hair texture, I think, are still some of them.
0: Most definitely. Um, This podcast, for me, I always keep um, emphasizing that it's about conversations, not really about tearing anybody down. (laughs) And um, the previous podcast that I had with my father, (laughs) um, (laughs) so many people gave so many responses about how much they learned. And if they didn't learn anything that they open their minds to things that they may not have thought about. Um, I'm going to throw a bag of anecdotes out okay. without tearing anybody down and and we can discuss whether we feel these things are true. Um, some social media pages that promote parties and events mm-hmm. will pos- possibly selectively pick certain colored people in the stuff that they promote. So you might have more light-skinned girls being used for the promotional stuff versus dark-skinned girls. I've even had friends tell me that they've removed like a certain person from a picture because they don't fit. I don't know what the a photographer was profile. seeing, but it's kind of like, um, you hold the cups. <laughs> <laughs> you hold the cups and we'll take these three. Okay. And I mean, the tricky part with this one is that the eye of the photographer could be part of it. So okay. it could be what the photographer is seeing and not necessarily a directive from the party page. Yeah, but yeah. do you think these things are definitely happening still in the party, in the fit?
1: It's hard for me to say because, to be fair, I don't really look at party pictures that much anymore. Right, so right. I'm not as observant as, you know, some other people might be. I've seen discussions about it on social media which suggests that it does exist, that this, you know, preferential selection of lighter-skinned girls or girls with a certain body type or hair texture or whatever happens. Um, I have no reason to believe it is true or untrue. Right, but right. I... I suppose it's something that people should look into to understand if it is happening, why it is still happening, and what, what can be done to, to make the, the representation more balanced.
0: And, and, and I'll be honest, I look a lot of, at a lot of party pictures, and I probably, maybe I'm just a little bit colorblind, so maybe that's why I don't see it as much, but I've never really gone into really saying, well, this person does it or that one does it. Mm-hmm. So I would have to agree, but I wouldn't say that it doesn't exist either. Uh, what I will ask you about is your experience at parties. Another conversation, which is a whole other podcast, is dark-skinned girls with natural hair mm-hmm. who may a little bit be a little more plus size. Mm-hmm. In Jamaica, we, we come up with the term fluffy. Yeah. And whether lighter skin, Jamaican men are attracted to them. Whether they get the same attention in an uptown party, particularly. Or, you know, whether they're looking for a mixed-race type of girl. And, you know, I know some girls who fit into that description and they do say they feel like nobody's looking them at the party.
1: I think that one might it, be difficult for me to answer. All of them are difficult. No. It's true. No? All no.
0: of them are difficult because they are hard to justify.
1: I'll say why. I'll say why that even though, you know, I I may fit into that that description as well, but it's not... I don't go to parties for that reason. So it's not something that I observe. Right. So when I go to parties, I see about 10 people, which are the people that the people I go that with. There with right? And none of them are looking at me. So I'm not worried about that. I just go and I dance with my friends and, and that's about it. I don't roam the party. I don't walk around unless it's to go to the bar or the bathroom. So I'm not in that space when I go out.
0: No, and no, I appreciate you saying that because you are actually talking about your purpose for going out. And different people go for different reasons. Yeah. So yeah, so you wouldn't say you could, you could really fairly come in time.
1: I can't, I can't because like I say, I go out to, you know, shake my tail feather and, <laughs> <laughs> and drink some juice and have a good time. So say, anybody else who interrupts that is, is bothersome, not something positive. So I don't so i don't if the really brown man out the
0: dark seed man running for a wine is just what it is, right? You're just shaking a your problem. tail feather.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I just want to party with my friends.
0: All right, let me pull you back to what you're actually working on. Okay. What has your research so far on your paper found as it relates to athletics and colorism? What kind of stuff has come to the fore?
1: Well, you know, I can't discuss everything because right. I haven't presented it uh, yet. All right, fine, <laughs> But fine. I will say that... We're on that, the cuff. ...a <laughs> couple <laughs> more weeks, that one of the things that came up as a common theme was representation and how important that is in sports selection. So whether or not you see people who look like you doing certain sports mm. and how that would motivate you to want to take part in those sports. And in Jamaica, where, as you said, the majority of the population would identify themselves as black, no matter their skin tone, there are also a lot of dark-skinned Jamaicans. And I would put them even in, perhaps in the majority overall. Mm -hmm. And there are certain sports like track and field, sprinting in particular that we have excelled in and done amazingly in, you know, big up to our athletes all over. And there's far more representation in a sport like that than a sport like tennis, which I actually used to play. So you find that Besides things like cost and access to facilities, the lack of representation is a deterrent for some people to participate in certain sports over others.
0: Because they automatically perceive that it's not for them. It's
1: not for them because nobody that looks like me or comes from where I come from is playing or doing that sport. So let me find something that is more likely to be enjoyable or successful like for me where like I football. see people who have you know, done it and succeeded and all those kind of things. Those are the sports that people tend to gravitate to and that, that's a universal thing. It's not just Jamaica but here skin tone and social background have a lot to do with representation and what attracts people to certain sports?
0: Well, I'm glad we went there because we both went to a, a quote-unquote uptown school. And for <laughs> for the, um, again, non-Caribbean, non-Jamaican listeners, for another podcast, Jamaica it can be divided between uptown, downtown, and rural, which is country. Mm-hmm. And um, uptown people live above the clock. They may have more money. They may be lighter skin. There are a bag of stereotypes attached to each, each one. Mm-hmm. And when you talk about camping and sports, People even know still will say stuff like you guys play polo and like <laughs> water polo and swimming <laughs> and golf and golf. <laughs> and we, we never see a golf club uh, at Campion ever. ever. I'm sure that people played golf, Definitely. maybe. But but we still played other sports every other school played. So you wonder why is it that Campion has to be pointed out for these sports? When they were playing sunlight cricket and manning cup football and and we uh, I can speak for when we started high school. Mm-hmm. The teams did well in Manning Cup, netball, volleyball. They did decently.
1: Decent. They've
0: gone up <laughs> and down. <laughs> All right, <yeah>, where <laughs> academics go for the most part, as you can tell. Oh,
1: uh, yeah.
0: But, I mean, it ties into the same thing that you're saying. Um, so, I guess, really, I'm entering colorism as it relates to social class. Right. And, I mean, we really can make a blanket statement, but you hardly ever see a light skinned man begging on the street.
1: It's not common. It's not common. Well, that's that's the interesting thing about Jamaica. And one of the other things that came up in my research is that a lot of people in Jamaica were adamant that we don't have a colorism problem. It's a class problem. Really? Oh, really? Adamant. Ah, like, but, no, man, we don't see color. You know, everybody, how oh, we must be. I think, be it's, predomin- and we're I think black. it's
0: predominantly classist but i think it ties into colorism so as well the so thing, the two are intertwined
1: for me it's a, a chicken and the egg kind of scenario but if is you, it which came first look, yeah we'll see because if you look at what we discussed in terms of the history with the slavery and mm-hmm. the fact that lighter skinned people had access to certain things right. that would certainly mean that lighter skinned people occupy the higher classes and, so continue then, so. and continue to do so continue to do so strategically north. and mm-hmm. deliberately Through marrying other light skinned people. And one of the reasons for that is, like, unlike the US, where you have the one drop rule, right? Where as long as they know that you have black in your family, however they figure it out, no matter how light skinned you are, you're black. Right. right. In Jamaica, if you were, for lack of a better word, diluted to a certain point, you were allowed to (laughs) be. No, you were declared legally white. Right. You could be legally white. So it was beneficial for people to continue mixing with people not black because it would
0: move, you out, it would move, it move your out and move you into more privilege right into more privilege so there is benefit to into moving a into a privilege exactly so
1: yes we might be classes but you could not be classes without the color attached to it because that is something that has been coming up from the days of slavery and colonialism right so for so me they're very tied very interconnected but i think the scale tips a little bit more in one direction in terms of how color comes into play in that particular scenario
0: and i think the big difference between then and now is that i think our consciousness our lack of consciousness has changed so a lot of people may not be focused on that anymore because of how we're cultured so it has shifted but it exists um which brings me to the effects Of colorism on our society Mm -hmm. and one of the biggest ones in Jamaica is bleaching Mm -hmm. and um, for the people don't know what bleaching is people use steroid creams and other agents to lighten their naturally dark complexion so that they can become a lighter skin tone for various reasons Mm -hmm. I don't even know some other reasons (laughs) people do it sometimes it's just aesthetic but clearly tied to the aesthetic is that brown and lighter is prettier. prettier Uh and coming with all of that from my medical standpoint you know you have thinning of the skin you can see the blood vessels easier you put yourself at a greater risk for stuff like skin cancer the deleterious effects are numerous Um, but people do it what are some of the other reasons people bleach
1: some people claim they do it because it's fashionable mm-hmm. you know cartels sing about it so might as well do it some people say they do it just to even their skin tone because they don't want spots. They have to cool up the complexion cool tone you know um but the purpose of bleaching is to lighten the skin yes by doing that you become cool you have you smooth out you you know the spots or whatever, but the point is that your goal is to become more attractive or more desirable within your social group, and that comes. Most people think from an association with attractiveness, attractiveness and desirability, with lighter skin, with lighter skin or whiteness.
0: You know uh, another area I I have here like colorism ver from the discriminator versus discriminate here. And I brought this one up because when you're in your own skin, you're not really thinking about what you look like to other people Mm -hmm. and how they perceive you. So when I go to buy food at a fast food restaurant, I'm not thinking that maybe the woman behind the counter who maybe have darker complexion is looking at me in any way different and gives me preferential treatment for it Mm -hmm. i guess that's that's privilege right that you don't realize that you're getting benefits from something that naturally exists it's some kind of form of privilege but
1: it it exists okay for example but
0: you can't do anything about it because you're just bro you're just what you are but how people treat you you can't control that.
1: Even if you recognize that you are getting preferential treatment, it's unlikely that is going to change just because you you recognize it. Right. So. And am
0: I going to say no? <laughs> no, don't not. don't give me extra piece give of chicken, ma'am. Extra gravy. Yeah, I, don't I want, want it. the curry gravy. Please, I <laughs> will take it.
1: Last weekend, I went to a hotel in in the country, mm-hmm. the North Coast, and when I drove up, I was driving a little Suzuki Swift. I pull up at the gate, you know. My natural hair, darkness, whatever. And the security guard had me at the gate for about 20 minutes trying to verify that I was a guest at the hotel. I'll
0: have you know this happened to me the other day too, but finish your story.
1: <laughs> when when I explained to him that, you know, I wasn't supposed to check in today. I was on the list for the day before, but he just would not. It wasn't until the per- somebody at the front desk called and told him to let me in after somebody else in the hotel intervened that he let me in. And I was explaining it to one of my friends who is a little bit lighter skin, And she said she, she's never had that kind of issue. And she knows that it's a privilege that happens that because she's very, very light. You could, people might even consider her white. Right. And, cause you know, you have, so white Jamaicans. White Jamaicans. Mm-hmm. And she said that's not an issue she has ever encountered. That when she go places like that, they just open the gate.
0: And I think it's multi-tiered. Me like you, I had it happen to me a few months ago. I went to the hotel. That's cool. you get tan Secu- from carnival.
1: Hey! <laughs> Security
0: guard came out, Deja, and he pretty much was grilling me for about 10 minutes. I was in my little, my little hatchback. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a Jamaican as well, not a tourist. Right. And then he hears the accent and he asked me 50 million questions. Mm-hmm. Who are you coming to? I said, and I, I most, in my most decent English accent, I said, sir, I have a reservation. And he called inside. He must get verification from inside. I was very upset about it
1: so maybe because that's I wanted him fly the gate for another topic. That's another topic. Jamaicans, but Jamaicans get treated at resorts, but or, we know this, right? and this
0: is not this 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 is more than anecdotal. Right? I have, have first hand <laughs> proof of it. But anyway, that's a whole another day. And yeah. again, a lot of Americans may not even recognize this, but maybe some of the Americans then get it too because when they come up to the counter. And the staff don't recognize that they're not American until, until the talk. mouth opens. Right. Then all of a sudden, first class service. But that's a whole nother story. Right. But um they're all tied up. I was grilled at the gate at an event spouted. And I think I put it in my review. Oh.
1: Yep. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they
0: needed to know. All right. Well, um, we keep moving along, coming up to the to wrapping up a bit. And um we already spoke about whether we've evolved, but what we can talk about is Is there anything that we as a people can do? Can we do anything as individuals? And can we do anything as a culture? Is there something that the government can do? How do you break this cycle?
1: I think the first thing that we need to do is to stop pretending it doesn't exist and acknowledge that there is actually a problem. When you sweep something under the rug, you're invalidating the experiences of people that are real, that are harmful, that are, you know, holding them back in ways that many people don't understand. So for me, the key thing is to continue with discussions like this, that enlighten, that educate, so that people are aware that it's not just people complaining or whining about things because they're lazy and not getting what they want. There are actually things in place, structurally, systematically, that affect people of color. Or darker skin tones, and I that people say. are
0: actually having these experiences on our regular day-to-day it day basis. It is stopping
1: them from getting jobs. It is stopping them from finding partners. It is stopping them from getting access to certain levels of education. All of these it's things are destroying exist. their self-esteem. Esteem. You, you know, it's yeah. it's amazing. We we were, we mentioned it briefly, but just even something like hair texture. There are places in Jamaica that will not hire women that wear their hair in its natural state. Mm-hmm. You might think in 2019, yes. Still. I got called into a staff meeting because I had my hair out in a free throw. A staff meeting at the place that I was working. Right. Uh, where they asked me if, I'm, if I don't plan to comb my hair.
0: And then, it, and you know, pretty much they're telling that it's is unkempt. It's it not looking good. It's unacceptable. And part.
1: unprofessional for me to wear my hair in its natural and state as a black woman. in a country with predominantly black people
0: had it been straightened and down to your back it wouldn't have been a problem it
1: would have been beautiful Mm. right so i think the first step is just understanding that this is a real problem and it exists and it affects people and from there we can come up with solutions whether it needs to be implemented in policy in law whatever but just to make things more accessible and open and to promote equality within the society, so that everyone has a chance for for success, and know that yes, we think if you know there's meritocracy involved where if you work hard and you do all the things you're supposed to do, you'll get where you want to get because you have two examples of people who did it and they got through well, for those two, there are two hundred thousand that have been denied opportunities, so we need to to really make sure that our society is welcoming. And supportive of all its citizens. And that's probably the most, you know, <laughs> altruistic or hippieest thing I could possibly say. of <laughs> for Prime Minister. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, guess what? I have nothing more to say. I don't think we could end on a better note than that. Um, we've touched on lightly and a little more deeper on a few things that happen as it relates to colorism in Jamaica. And um, I think all you've said is definitely, definitely true. And I know this is going to come up more and more in Talk Truth because it ties into a lot of the other things that happen in our culture here. So, Khadija, I wish you all the best on this paper.
1: Thank you. And
0: um, thank you for your time. Thank you for coming to Talk the Truth right <laughs> here. <so>.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and thanks again for having me. I hope, you know, the show is received in, in the way it is intended to create dialogue, to promote discussion, and just to have people think about things in a new and different way. So, keep on keeping on i sure hope so too but we know we're gonna get a bad review (laughs) thanks again you're welcome
0: thank you all so much for taking the time out of your day to listen to us i mean it's a big deal trust me the love we received so far just from the two episodes has been really really enormous and the feedback has been really good and we appreciate if you keep showing us that love by following us at TalkTruthJA on Twitter. And you can follow me, M.E.D. at MarioEvan. That's M-A-R-I-O-E-V-O-N pretty much on every social media platform. So, you know, do that for us. Subscribe, like, follow the podcast, and share your screenshots. And when you share, please hashtag TalkTruthJA and also Me Talk Truth. Another thing, if you're on Instagram... Every episode, we put up a picture on our feed for the next episode. So feel free to start a conversation underneath the post if you want to make a comment there for those who are not on iTunes. And my page is at MarioEvan on IG. Guess what? We have a website now. So if you're unsure of where to find our episodes and our updates and our show notes, just go now to talktruthja.com or you can also go to the podcast tab on marioevon.com so pretty easy talktruthja.com or marioevon.com podcast tab and if you like what you've been hearing iTunes reviews are really important so just go onto the page online or into your phone and give us a rating and a text review of the show. And you don't know already. So once I see the review. I'm to try give you a shout out and a big up. On the next episode right. So leave something for we. Of course we love your feedback. If there are any topics that you really are passionate about. Talking truth about. Feel free to send us an email. At talktruthja at gmail.com We are also always looking for guests. So if you think that you have a story. And you want an honest. Fair. Non-judgmental place to share it we ask you to send us an email and we'll send you a form to fill out and let us know what your story is i am mario evan and you've been listening to talk truth a place where your truth shall become your power and set you free until next sunday 1201 am on the next episode drop stay safe be good blessed love